Hello, my friends. Welcome. My name is Joe. This is The Joe Martino Show. If you're new here, welcome. If you're returning, welcome. What are we going to talk about today? Let's talk about some listener emails, and then let's talk about who do we want to be when we experience strong emotions. A reality of strong emotions is that often when they kick in, they shut down our ability to think logically. And so we have to actually plan our response ahead of time so that we have a chance of actually acting that response out. All right, let's kick it off. This is The Joe Martino Show. You're listening to The Joe Martino Show, a podcast dealing with all things emotional, relational, and human nature. Joe is a licensed counselor in the state of Michigan, specializing in relationship therapy. He is also the author of the book, The Emotionally Secure Couple. All advice offered in this episode is offered for entertainment and educational purposes only. Enjoy the show. Okay, welcome. We have a few things to discuss today. I do want to talk about a couple emails. One email that I got was from a 15-year-old young lady in the fine state of Texas who doesn't listen to my podcast but believes her mom does. Uh, we might get to another email, and then I want to talk about some other things. So let's just jump into this email. Dear Joe, uh, I hope you're having a good day. I don't actually listen to your podcast, but my mom does, and I'm hoping that she will hear this uh, conversation if you talk about it on your show and recognize what I'm talking about. Joe, can I be honest with you? I am concerned for my mom. A couple years ago, probably five, her and my dad got divorced, and my mom was extremely overweight. She had the stomach surgery and has become obsessed with the gym. She's also become more and more judgmental. For context, what 15-year-old writes like this? For context. For context, I actually asked to live with my dad and not my mom because I think she might have what you call borderline personality disorder. Well, technically, for the record, I don't call it anything. It would be in the field, but I get your point. Order. Anyhow, I'm worried that she is concerned too much about her body. She is constantly dating guys and getting broken up with or breaking up with them because they all turn out to be jerks, but mostly it's because she's fishing out of a pool of jerks. She thinks that she can only date guys who are very buff and, I don't know this word, I'm guessing the word should be muscular, who are very buff and muscular, guys who spend a lot of time in the gym. The problem is they tend to be self-centered. Recently, she flew to the Midwest, actually pretty close to you, to visit with a guy for a week that she had been talking to online. It lasted three days in person. How do I help my mom? Question mark. There's a little bit more, but that's a pretty good question. All right. Uh, The girl's name is Christy. She said I could use that, so I'm going to. Christy, the thing that I would tell you is you probably can't help your mom understand. That is the rub in this. Um, I don't know what happened with your dad and with her, you know, why that marriage ended. But probably there were some strategies of how to cope with life. There were some processes about how to cope with life uh, that your mom found comforting. Quite frankly, that your dad did as well, probably. And they didn't work there. Instead of actually being helpful, they were dysfunctional and hurtful. And those are probably carrying over into, you know, you address your mom, at least to your mom's current uh, situation regarding relationships. Um, you know, those habits are probably bubbling up and, and the judgy part, 
Uh, your mom could very well could be very judgmental. You could certainly try to have a conversation with her about it. Uh, if, if she's judging you, you know, if she's making statements that you don't appreciate, if, if you feel pressure to have to go to the gym with her, you need to decide if that's something that you're doing or if she's doing it. If she's doing, certainly address it. Um, I'm hoping that you are in therapy uh, or your mom's in therapy or maybe both. Maybe you could go to each other's session and kind of process that out. Uh, the hard part with your email, which I appreciate 100%, but the hard part is your stated goal is to help somebody else understand something. And if you did listen to my show, uh, you would know that we talk a lot about circle square. You draw a stick figure of yourself, draw a circle around it, draw a square around the circle. The circle represents everything inside of you. It's everything that you do. It's on your circle. It's what you do, what you control. So if you say, Joe, you control that. If your mom says, raise your right hand and rub your belly, if you raise your right hand and rub your belly, you're the one that, that does that. That's in your circle. That's your control. Your mom saying it to you is on your square. Your mom's understanding is on her square. And this is something that you have to consider. There's a function to the dysfunctional behavior that your mom's engaging in. There's a reason. And, and, and some of it you might understand. Some of it you probably won't. You're 15. Uh, but some of it you might understand. And, and as you look into it, as you dig into it, uh, and you look into it, you have to understand what it is that your mom's trying to accomplish, just like myself or you. Things that we do that are dysfunctional, they almost always start out with a service of function. They do something for us functionally. One of the things that I believe is a powerful tool is to just tell your mom how you're feeling. Hey, mom, I feel like you're judgy in this way. And give her an example. Uh, I'm not, you know, how do you feel, mom? I want us to have a good relationship. Do you think I'm right about that? Do you think I'm wrong? Have you considered that? Uh, if, if the situation presents itself, you're honestly, I mean, I didn't read your whole email, uh, but you're probably right that there is um, part of the reason your mom is continuing to find people that are not healthy is because they're the type, the outward things that she's looking for typically are the product of unhealthy obsessions. Not always. But, you know, if you're 15, even if your mom had you at 15, she's 30. Uh, I'm going to guess based on your email, she's a little bit older. Um, the, the dating pool gets limited the older you get. And then when you narrow it down to it has to be this way, that's fine. I, I am going to address part of your email that I didn't read. The part where you talk about how you get mad at her because she'll, she'll go to the gym and post stuff on her Snapchat, Instagram. What did you say? Oh, on her social media. Uh, you know, of people and she'll be making fun of how other people work out at the gym, but then she'll get really mad if anybody offers her advice. You're probably onto something there. So feel free to address it. Or you can decide that's on your square and you and your mom can have, you know, a good weekend, a good every other weekend, a good whatever your custody arrangement is without it being addressed currently. But probably at some point you will have to address it. I appreciate you writing to me and uh, I hope that you and your mom are able to find some level of resolution. Thanks so much. Okay, and then I got five emails in one day about uh, the holidays coming up and COVID. One from a daughter, an adult daughter, whose father would rather not wear his mask than see her. In fact, in her email she said, I told him, if you don't wear your mask, I won't be able to see you. And he said, well, then we won't be able to see each other. 
Uh, one from a couple that is trying to figure out what to do with the husband's brother. Um, he has come to stay, uh, quote, for a little while was the original plan, and now the wife is scared that it's going to last into the holidays because, well, we are going to gather at your house anyhow. And then just more stress like that. One of the things that I want to talk about today that I had planned to talk about today is this idea, the idea of emotions cutting out your ability to think logically. One of the realities of emotions is that once the chemicals start flying through your body, there is a decent chance that things will happen that you can't, uh, well, you can predict actually, but in the moment you wouldn't predict because you're so focused on whatever it is that's creating the strong emotion. If you want, uh, you know, better, certainly a better explanation than that, because that was not a very good explanation. I've got too many distractions going on for my ADHD brain around me right now. But if you want a better uh, uh, description of that, read Deep Survival by yeah, Lawrence Gonzalez, I believe his name is. And uh, he does a great job talking about, gives illustrations about fighter pilots and firefighters. And, and how when things have gone rogue, it wasn't because the people didn't know what to do. It was because their fear overpowered their logic. And, you know, so well, what does that have to do with COVID? What does that have to do with relationships? What does that have to do with the holidays? What does that have to do with us, in re, you know, interacting as humans? Well, well fear is something that is a new, normal human reaction. But when it overpowers you, you tend to make decisions that end up being destructive. Often people, you know, in life and death situations, the people who die, it's because their fear overpowered them. And a lot of the emails that I'm starting to get about the upcoming holidays, fear is the running emotion. Fear is fear or anger, and and they tend to run together if if you've studied... uh, counseling, you know, and emotions, you know that fear, that anger is a secondary emotion. Uh, I would encourage you, if you read Gonzalez's book, he does use secondary emotions in a different way. He uses them more in a, in a neuroscience term than in a clinical counseling term uh, or, or manner. Uh, secondary emotions would function differently. Um, what he's actually calling secondary emotions, we would actually call tertiary emotions. He just started at level two. But either way, I'd encourage you to get the book and read it. I, I found it fascinating. In fact, I bought the Kindle and the audio, Audible book so I could listen to it and make notes. But so as we, as we talk about COVID, you know, one of the things with the election coming up, if you, if you didn't know, there's an election just about, uh, I think today, when this thing drops, it'll be 18 days, I think. No, 14 and three, well, and yeah, roughly there. Uh, 14, 15 to 18, 19 days. And, and you know, just the other day I had a conversation with somebody who said, I just, I, I want to know how somebody could vote for Trump. I was like, well, they believe in what he's talking about. Well, how could they? I was like, well, I mean, he has a platform, I suppose, right? Well, yeah, but it's racist and xenophobic and da, da, da. Okay, now we're into fear. And maybe it is. I'm not, I'm not here to argue the politics because I had the same conversation with somebody who played a clip for me, actually had a client play a clip for me where Joe Biden called himself a token black person. And he doesn't understand how anybody could vote for 
someone who said that. I said, well, they like his platform. And he said to me, which I was already thinking, and I, I actually agree, I think most people are choosing who they're going to vote for this election cycle, not on whether or not they support their candidate, but because of who the other candidate is. And they're more afraid of them winning. And that may well be true. I will say this. I do think fear's running the narrative of how we interact in our society, whether it's a husband and wife debating when do we kick your brother out, uh, right? Because she's afraid he's going to be there forever and she wants to have memories with her kids. And, and he's afraid, well, my brother's going to be homeless. And she's like, well, that's not our concern. And I mean, I could read you the whole email, but it would just be the, it, it's a, it, it, it would be a long email. And I'm not trying to diminish those concerns. What I'm trying to actually get, if she's listening, the writer of that email to consider is her and her husband have to move away from just the discussion about when does your brother move out to what is the emotions that are driving us in this conversation and what is the or what are the principles and values that we live by that could drive this conversation. Because when we're dealing with just our emotions, most of the time when we have overpowering emotions, it shuts down the part of our brain that controls logic. I think this explains, at least in part, why so many people have fights that go on repeat, whether it's about politics or school or husbands and wives. And I say this all the time. They'll literally tell me with, with a couple once recently, and, and they were talking about their family dynamics. The whole family was there, seven people. And, and they're talking, and literally the, the, the father would tell me, I do this, and it's not helpful to what I'm trying to get to. And... Then when I would go ask someone else a question, he would do that. He would interrupt and finish their sentences or answer for them. He told me, told me in the beginning, look, I do this and it's not helpful. I know it's not helpful, but I do it all the time. And, and literally with that awareness, he would still do it. Why? Well, let's think about your first counseling session. You're there with your five kids, three of which are adults that you raised and they seem successful, two of which are not out of the house yet. And that's why you feel you're here because you're failing them as a father. There's a pretty significant age gap, I think 14 years, between the third child and the fourth and fifth child, who are twins. What do you think his emotions are? They're strong, and they're scary, and there's fear. And so the logic part of his brain that would say, no, Paul, don't say this, is saying it. Paul isn't his name. I made it up. That's my middle name. And, and so as he leans into that fear, as that fear envelops him, he actually engages in the behaviors that he says he doesn't want to. Why? Because he's in that fear and he hasn't come up with a plan on what to do in that fear. And that's where I want to end up today. I want to talk about one more thing. I have gotten one email uh, from a, a listener who listened to the Father's Day episode and... Um, said that, you know, that that happens to women too, which I actually thought, and I got to be honest, it's been a while since I've listened to it, but I actually thought that I um, acknowledged that in the podcast that I think it happens to women too. I, I think, and I'm sure there are going to be women and maybe even men who disagree with me on this, but I think by and large as a society, we're doing a better job allowing women to express some of those things. Uh, I did invite her onto the show, and for personal reasons, she decided not to do it. Um, so I am on the lookout, probably for someone, a, a female who would be willing to talk, be interviewed, you know, regarding just the story that's running in her head and how that battle ensues. 
Because most of what happens is we, we something happens and our brain puts it in context for us. And if that context is bad, we have fears. We have strong, overpowering emotions that elevate. Most of the time when you're mad at your kids, I promise you there is a primary emotion that is stronger that the or that is growing and that anger is getting stronger because it's trying to cover it up and when that happens the part of your brain that controls logic it gets shut down it goes away and i do think that that is part of the reason we struggle to have disagreeing conversations i was talking to somebody and they're like hey i saw you went back to church i was like yep i went like did you wear your mask well yeah i wore it i wore it in to sit down and then i took it off while i was sitting there because uh, I don't breathe well in it. And then I put it back on to walk out and stand out in the lobby and talk to people. And they were like, well, why'd you take it off? I was like, well, I got to thinking about it. And if I was in a restaurant with the amount of people that were there with the six feet between us and somebody put food in front of me, I'd take it off, coffee, you know, et cetera. And they got, they got very upset. And, and it was fine. They didn't do anything. You know, they didn't attack me or verbally assault me or anything like that. Um, but it, it was fine. However, I did say to them, I said, well, can I ask why you're so, well, people are going to die. So because I took my mask off in church and not a restaurant, people are going to die and they started, I was like, well, I mean, we can agree to disagree. And, and, and I think actually what was driving that conversation was not anger. It was fear. And, and what happens once that elevates is we lose the ability to think through things logically. And so we think about it. People who are anti-Donald Trump, like I actually thought about this when here in Michigan, my governor uh, basically, in my opinion, bypassed the legislative branch. And we should have three distinct offices, the executive, the judicial, and the legislative. So the legislator sued her. She got struck down. She, she appealed. She got struck down with an emphasis from the court. And I remember when I read the the judgment, I knew that there was going to be a lot of people who were going to have a lot of fear because they they really have a lot of faith, maybe more so than other people around them, in the mask. Or they're just terrified of this virus. And I'm not here to argue the rightness or wrongness of that. So even if you send me emails on that, I want you to know, I'm not, and I've gotten some of them, I'm not going to discuss that on this platform. But they were afraid. And I remember thinking, I wonder how those poor people are going to sleep tonight, because I bet it isn't going to be very good. And so, okay, all of this is great. Like, you think about the email that I got from, from that girl from Texas. What's she afraid of? She's afraid that her mom is going to be alone, that she's going to be miserable, and that their relationship's not going to be very good. And I'm not saying that that's an overpowering emotion. That's a legitimate fear. What we have to be able to do is we have to be able to distinguish how much of this legitimate fear that I have. I think it's in Gonzalez's book. He talks about, he quotes somebody who says that, look, emotions are like a fire. They can heat your house. They can cook food for you. Or they can burn everything up. It, it depends. And so, you know, when she writes in, she's afraid. Now, if that fear becomes overwhelming... There's going to be a problem for Christy, for her mom. Uh, if you read, some, there's a book, uh, oh, what's his name? I don't remember his name, but The Madness of Crowds. It's, a, it's a, basically a book that says that we are losing free speech. 
in our society and that it's detrimental. And it is a, I think, I think he's a libertarian. Uh, he is gay. He's, he's married to a man. And he talks about how when the oppressed find freedom, they tend to want to be the ones who put, then put the boot on the other person's throat. In other words, when the roles are reversed and the prisoner becomes free, they want to punish the prison guard's children. Why? Because emotions run high. And uh, this week I put up on my Facebook something along the lines of, remember, nothing makes you angry. You chose to use anger as a response. And that word use is, is big because, I mean, people, I got private messages. Some people wrote on my wall, well, no, emotions just, uh, or anger is just an emotion. I agree. But how many times has somebody said, oh, hey, I did this terrible thing. I did this wrong thing. I, I sat with a, a kid he broke his Xbox, his phone, and the, all the bedroom windows in his mom's house because he was mad. I was just so angry. I, it just made me so angry. No, 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 no. This is why I say all the time it invites you to anger. But also, even if you are angry, you still have to use something else as a response. You can feel anger and not respond with anger. That's the thing that I think people miss. And, and so today, I, what I, my hope for you is that what you take away from this is the idea that, yeah, if you're feeling strong emotions, it's okay. But look at your behaviors. What are you feeling in that moment? And how much of that emotion is driving your response? How much of that emotion is, is driving you? Because if it's a lot, it's probably shutting down your ability to reason and, and think through the wisdom of what you're doing. What's right, what's wrong. And, and this happens, I can't tell you how many couples I meet, they're like, we just fight the same way every time. And part of that is because once their emotions kick in, they go to rote habitual behavior. And so one of the things that we want to do is we want to spend time developing when I feel really angry with my spouse, I'm going to do this. We want to, we want to spend internal time in our head pondering what is it that we want uh, one, one of the, the most listened episodes that I have, in fact, last time I looked, I think it was actually number one, is, is episode number two. I want to change, but how do I change? And one of the, one of the key elements in, in that process is being able to look at what you want as you process out, as you look out to the future. Process what you want. What, what is the desired outcome? And, and then process... What am I hoping for, right? That's still desired outcome. Then what are the necessary behaviors that I need to do? So I, I think, hey, I don't want to get mad is actually probably not a good goal because it is an emotion. Hey, I don't want to experience fear because it is an emotion. That's probably accurate. But I do want to act a certain way when I feel those emotions. What is that way? What is that behavior? I don't want to discipline my children out of anger. I don't. In fact, I don't want to discipline my children. I want to train them. But that's a different day. Uh, in, in, in the very near future, we're going to talk a little bit more about the spanking and discipline and parenting and just this idea that as parents, we can be perfect because we can't. In fact, I actually think a lot of the reason people get so flipped out about parenting conversations is because they're actually afraid. They're afraid of... Of, of, of 
that they're going to screw up their kids. A lot of the reasons that people get so flipped out over conversations about how they can love their spouse better is because they're afraid. Uh, a, a woman who has gone through an abusive relationship is going to have a quicker threshold to fear uh, about her, her new partner or new husband or new boyfriend or whatever than one who hasn't. A guy who has been in an emotionally abusive and sometimes physically abusive relationship with a woman, they're going to be more, have a closer threshold to that, that dumping of fear into their gut. And we're, we're terrified of fear and we're terrified of not feeling happy all the time. And so what happens is fear actually sets off a whole chain of emotions in our body, often designed to protect us. And my question remains, what happens when that thing that we're doing to protect ourselves isn't protective? And so we have to ask ourselves, okay, well, the next time I'm mad at my daughter, the next time I'm mad at my son, the next time I'm mad at my wife, my husband, the next time I'm mad at a Trumper, the next time I'm mad at a Bidener, what is the behavior that I want to see happen? I watched a fascinating video of these women who disagreed with another woman it was a psychological video actually on this topic and the women were screaming just invectives and and uh, swear words they're they're one of their favorite words rhymed with truck and started with the same letter as foul uh and, and so the the other woman came over and asked them okay like hey it's obvious you're upset with me what's going on and there was no conversation zero conversation and it was incredibly odd to me how there was no conversation. But it actually makes sense because the women who were yelling the invectives, they were afraid. They're they afraid of something, so they're trying to protect themselves. But their behaviors aren't protective. They're actually destructive. And I think that's part of our society right now. We are engaging in behaviors that are not helpful because we subconsciously at a, at a core level think they are helpful, and they're not, and they hurt us. So, so my goal for today's episode is that you will walk away asking yourself, who is it, what I who is it that I want to be when I am living with really strong emotion? How do I want to act? That's what I want you to ask yourself. Who do you want to be? How do you want to act? All right. Thanks so much for listening. We'll catch you next week. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed today's show, please share with a friend. And hey, give us that rating in your podcast store. Until next time. Change possible.